It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hey there. It's another edition of Make the Dough Rise. Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving in the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. We're online at livingworth.com. And uh, we've got a great show on the way for you today. The start of our series that we teased in the previous episode about Social Security and top t- uh, retirement mistakes overall. And today will be part one. We'll get into all of those details in a few moments. But first, let's bring in the man of experience. With more than two decades in the financial services industry and a practicing certified financial planner since 2013, it is Brian Doe. Good to have you here, sir. How are you? Oh, Walter, I'm limping in. Talking about mistakes, you do not want to move offices in Georgia in the middle of August. <laughs> I was going to say you're limping. That's not a good sign. A dragging, not not limping. Okay, dragging. I haven't, haven't actually injured myself. Not an I'm injury. Just, just a just a dragging, uh, oppressive heat. Picking up heavy furniture, moving kind of dragging. Yeah, heat, humidity, sun bearing down on you. It's not a good combination. Yeah, we've, uh, let's see, we've moved uh, offices in in July mostly. Uh, that just happens to be like when our lease has ended all the time. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel that pain. And then we bought a house and moved uh, in, in mid to late August a couple of years ago. So, and of course, you know, with moving kids in and out of colleges, that's always happening in August. Typically, right, right. Well. That's peak peak heat time. What are we? Yeah, we what did are we the thinking? house right last year. We <laughs> we moved into the our new house in May of last year. Oh, it was perfect. You know, it's probably like sixty degrees, cool, nice breezy. It was perfect moving weather. And uh, I'm finding out what the opposite end of the spectrum looks like right now. But that said, when I was packing up my office, I found I, I keep little tidbits from the past tax tables and bond offering sheets. And I've just got this odd collection of some, of some stuff. real gems, Brian, real gems. Yeah. Well, the real gems. And so anyway, I found a rate sheet for, uh, bonds, money market, corporate treasuries. How would you like to buy a, uh, this is from 1994, December of 1994. I could get you a tax-free bond that matured in three years Yielding five point oh six percent. Yeah, I'll take that. And uh, if you wanted to go out nine years, I could get you six uh, percent on the Chesapeake, uh, Virginia triple A rated uh, municipal bond. And and there's several on here. Same thing. How about a J P Morgan double A plus eight point oh one percent bond? Wow. I think I'd have any takers for that today. Uh, at least a handful. <laughs> yeah, any number. And here, and here's the be- here's the one uh, position on here that's actually still it was for sale in 1994, and it doesn't mature until 2024. So this would have been a, a 30 year Treasury bond yielding 7.8 percent. 30 years. Wow. We're, we're below, I mean, a retiree right now could lock that in and just be set for life, basically. Well, as long as you only live 30 years. Right. That's the key. Because if it matures on you when you go to reinvest that money. Uh, you're looking at two, two and a half percent at best on that same bond today. So actually, that is a perfect segue to why today's topic is so important. And we, we talked about this a little bit on our uh, book, The 401k Trap. And now you remember the Oldsmobile commercials, you know, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, same with with retirement today. We We used to have going into retirement all these nice safe options where you could get 
you know, five to six percent tax free, seven, eight percent taxable, high quality, you know, just excellent, excellent uh, credit quality. And you know, certainly with 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 treasuries, uh, almost arguably as, as low risk as you could get with a return that would yield you a very good cash flow, dividends and, and income that you could spend in retirement. And so with that flipped, you know, today you would be lucky to get things in the low single digits of money market would be a fraction of a percent. Money market back in 1994 was yielding four and a half to 5%. I mean, it's just, it's astounding to think that we've come that far <laughs> in, you know, 20, 25 years. So how you claim social security, when you claim social security, how you structure your portfolio, well, well today is it's not your father's Oldsmobile. It's not, and we've, we've made this point several times, but we're going we're gonna to try and dig a little bit deeper into that today and what you can do about it. So on the previous episode, we kind of set the stage for this, talking about, hey, there's a bunch of singular issues out there in the financial world, but you really can't just solve one of those issues without affecting the other things going on in your portfolio and in your financial life. There is overlap between all of these things, and that's part of the structure and the planning process, those four pillars of personal portfolio programs and protections mm -hmm. that Brian Doe and the Living Worth Wealth Advisors uh, team have been able to put together, create for you, and successfully help people retire, stay retired, and manage their finances in a, a healthy, productive way over the years. And so today that focus zeroes in a little bit on Social Security claiming and that battle of I want to max maximize what I can get out of Social Security, Brian, yep. but also I want that money as soon as I can get it and, and how we reach the proper marriage between those two differing goals. Yeah. And, and, and as far as the, the four pillars, the, the personal portfolio programs and protections, Social Security fits in as one of the programs. This is one of the governmental structures, programs uh, that you, you know, are, are, are going to be participating in. And, and so what we what, what people tend to do is look at this topic in isolation. Okay, how do, how do I get the most out of Social Security? How do I get the most benefit? How long are you going to live? What's the benefit of waiting? You can do a break-even analysis, and uh, you could calculate how many checks it would take to delay waiting. Like if you give up a, a year or two on the front end, how much do you have to draw on the back end to make up for that? And that's a fair calculation, but there's too much... I call it beach talk, golf course talk, cocktail conversation, where people have looked at this topic in isolation. They fi they figured out what you know it works best for them, or they may have a misconception of, oh, you know, I gotta I gotta claim it. Social Security is going broke. I need to I need to claim it as soon as possible so that I can I can get the maximum benefit. And I'm gonna try to turn that on its head a little bit because there is a longevity and, and long-term factor that's getting ignored, uh, as well as some tax consequences. And again, this is where it starts to overlap with IRA distributions. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to get too far into those topics, and we'll save those for, for next time. But I just want to challenge people's thoughts on when they should take Social Security, and uh, that today's environment is different, and that presents a, a number of good opportunities to better claim this benefit. All right, well, let's dive into it. What are some of the first things that we need to know when it comes to trying to understand this topic of Social Security claiming? Well, taxation is the big one. You know, most people think, well, I'm just going to claim Social Security and uh, 
you know, maybe I, I still have some income or uh, I'm going to, you know, delay drawing on my IRA or I'm going to start drawing on my IRA, whatever the combination may be. But you have to go back in, in into the 1980s and Social Security was on the verge of bankruptcy back then as well. And, and so I make this point to, to those that say, oh, Social Security's, you know, it's always been about to go broke. They just keep fixing it and, and fixing it, you know, funding it, patching it up, slowly delaying claiming ages. There's, there's all kinds of things that they're doing at the margins to, to try to fix Social Security. But the big fix that they did, uh, and this was between Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, they came up with a compromise to keep Social Security funded, but uh, changed the taxability of the benefit. So Social Security used to be a tax-free benefit because you think, you know, this is federal government sending you money. Why, why would you then turn around and send some of it back to them? Well, that's exactly what they did. And so they said, well, if, you, if you're married, you know, joint, married filing joint, and you have income over $32,000, all right, now that's 1980s dollars, so probably was a more impressive income number back then. But um, at that point, 50% of your Social Security would become taxable. All right, so let's say you had a $24,000 Social Security benefit that went from not being taxed. You cross that income threshold, and this is a modified adjusted gross income number. You cross that threshold, and now $12,000 of your Social Security benefit ends up in the taxable column on your 1040. Well, if you were at the 12 or 22% uh, bracket, let's, let's, let's call it even just the, the, the 12% today, there's another $1,444 of taxes that uh, are, are, you're going to have to pay. So you just gave up. 1440 of bottom line money in your pocket from your social security. If you cross the $44,000 mark, 85% of your benefit becomes taxable. So you can see very quickly, uh, well, then it wasn't as quickly, but in today's dollars, it's very easy. Your social security benefit alone between you and a spouse may kick you into an income bracket where your social security is, is taxable. And that's, that's the big thing that people aren't figuring because they're just doing the break-even calculation on, hey, I get X number of checks at this dollar amount. If I claim now and if I wait wait until later, I'll get, the, it, it takes this many more checks to equal this dollar amount. But they, they forget to add in the, the taxes, what the tax implications is. And the big opportunity that they miss out on is maybe there was some opportunity to earn some income or draw some money out of your IRA at a lower tax rate. And instead, they activate Social Security and then boom, it, it causes their, their tax bracket and their taxability of the benefit to go up. That's one big cost or, or penalty uh, that most people don't factor into their uh, quick calculators. The other one is if, if you're thinking about retiring early, claiming Social Security at, at, as early as age 62 is an option. And it becomes a very tempting one because that, as that income stops, you're thinking, hey, I might as well turn this, this on. But if you then go get a part-time job or you get uh, some opportunity to do a consulting gig or, or whatever it is, I see these things happen all the time. Once your income gets back up, it's, it's probably like in the, the mid to high teens. I forget exactly what the number is. But uh, very quickly, you get to a point where at age 62, until full retirement age, let's call it 66 for most people, that, that's creeping up to, to 67 in, in some months now, but they will tax half, 
for every $2 you earn, they will reduce your social security benefit by a dollar. Well, if you got a job that paid, you know, 50, 60, 70, $100,000, uh, you would very quickly evaporate your social security benefit and, and end up drawing nothing. So there, there's some real traps in the early claiming that taxes, uh, if you have earned income, your, your benefit will go away. And then the big one is you get a reduced benefit. Okay, so if your full retirement age benefit was $20,000, you're going to get one-third less by starting it at 62. Well, yeah, mathematically, that kind of makes sense because you're, you're going to get a reduced amount, but you're going to get it sooner. And I, I normally tell people, you know, which is better, a dollar today or a dollar tomorrow? The answer is almost always a dollar today. But which is better, a dollar today or a dollar and 33 cents tomorrow? Okay, that's that's the the math and the trade-off that you have to do. By delaying, okay, full retirement age, you get your your full benefit. If you can wait to the other end, age 70, you get 33% more benefit. This is a huge trade-off. Like you you don't get paid to sit in cash, as we discussed earlier with these, you know, bonds, money market rates that we had you know, 20, 30 years ago, you don't get paid to sit on cash. So you do get paid more to wait and claim Social Security later. And here, here's the interesting thing. When they came up with the rules about making Social Security taxable, do you remember where interest rates were at the time, Walter? Ooh, uh, no, you'll have to remind me. I mean, th- we were coming off of those super high inflation. You know, I think mortgages were in the 12 to 18% range. Okay. Inflation was, this was right after the hyperinflation of the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, I remember we were kind of going through a recession in Reagan's early years. Uh, The economy was not particularly good. Unemployment was high. It was a scarier time. So the, the credits that they built in to claiming Social Security later were based on those interest rates of the day. And so each year you wait, you get an 8% increase in your benefit by delaying it. In today's dollars, though, that's a really good trade-off. That's the best trade-off you can get for your money. And I, I will bet you this is probably one of the next things that they will change about Social Security is the delayed credits. Because not only do you get the delayed credit of 8% per year, you also get the cost of living adjustment. And so the, the benefit a few years later between 66, 67, and age 70 can be dramatically higher. And if you can do something to you know, maybe use up a little bit of your cash, draw a little harder on your IRAs while you're in the, a low tax bracket, and then wait to receive this larger benefit, your probability for success goes, goes up dramatically. And the other factor that doesn't get looked at enough is what is your survivor's benefit going going to be? And what is your spouse's earnings record and social security benefit? Is there a way to draw earlier on one spouse and then delay drawing social security on another spouse so that you're collecting a little bit while you wait, and then you're locking in this higher earner's maximum benefit now for the life of two people because at the death of one spouse, you're going to get to keep the larger of the two social security benefits. When I do the math on calculating the survivor benefit, 
that's the real eye opener for people. They they suddenly see, oh, oh, this this waiting, we, we don't know how long we're gonna live, but every year, you know, life expectancy keeps going up. People are remaining healthier. They're coming up with better treatments to extend life expectancy. And so I think people are beginning to take longevity a little more seriously. And then when you look at the, uh, you know, the likelihood of a, a spouse outliving you, then two lives have a much higher probability of living longer than, than average life expectancy. And, and once you apply that filter to it, uh, it, it it's, it's kind of mind-blowing and, and eye-popping to see what the survivor benefit is under early claiming strategies versus delayed. And that gives people a lot of peace of mind about delaying and, and making sure that uh, a spouse is going to be protected. These are a lot of different moving parts. You start to see, I think, when you start having these conversations how, yeah, you can't just make this choice in a vacuum. You can't just have this one string that you pull in Social Security and, and boom, you have your answer. It, it's got to be evaluated with all these other moving parts. And I know that can be you know, really difficult for people to kind of wrap their heads around it. It just would be nice if there were an easier way to, you know, go full circle on this or, or kind of just have that easy answer to reach for. But it takes a little bit of that planning, a little bit of that effort to see how it all fits together. Yeah, I, I wish there was an easy answer because, um, you know, it, it is highly complex. There isn't necessarily one right answer. And w- with with a couple of exceptions, if you're out of a job, if you've been caught up in a corporate restructuring or something like that, and and you're early to mid sixties, and you literally don't have any other options. Okay, yeah, maybe you need to start Social Security early. If you're single and you have you know a terminal condition that that you know is going to reduce your longevity, that that's those are different stories. We'll set those aside. But if you're looking at healthy couples and the longevity. The big factor that uh, is also going to pl- come into play is long-term care funding. Long-term care funding is its, its own separate issue, and that falls into protections. But as you go to try to fund long-term care, you can look at equity in your house. You can look at long-term care insurance. You can look at your portfolio. But you should also look at what will my cash flow be from Social Security, pensions, and annuities. And if you add all of those up, again, people kind of forget that those those cash flows will continue. Your ability to afford a longer and better long-term care environment goes up by delaying Social Security. Once you, again, once I kind of point that out, it's like, oh, there's there are a lot of benefits to delaying besides this short-term calculation of breaking even, trying to get as much as you can out of it. And if you go back to the you know what OASDI stands for? Oh, I well I see it on the uh the paychecks all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's old age and survivors disability income. That's that's the official title for uh social security. And so when put in place, it was for old age and survivors, right? You weren't supposed to collect until you turn 65. Life expectancy was 62 at, at the time Social Security was created. So you literally were never supposed to collect it. Now it has crept where life expectancy has blown past the eligible claiming age, but they've, they've been fighting this demographic battle to, to keep it funded. 
as the demographics change, as the working population change, more uh, you know people living past you know sixty five and into their seventies and and even eighties and beyond. And so um, they're, they're definitely wrestling and have created a a problem as far as funding this. But if you look at this through the lens of well, I want this to be my old age and survivor benefit. That's going to increase the success of my financial plan. That's going to increase the potential value in the long run of my portfolio. It's going to reduce the demand on my portfolio. It's going to give me more uh, funding for long-term care or a surviving spouse. And when you start looking at it through that lens, a lens of, of safety for old age, and again, I always ask people, what's What's more likely or what would be a you know, more beneficial outcome? Let's say over the first three to five years of retirement, you leave a, a little bit less money for your heirs. Or in the long term, you may end up leaving them more and have more for your uh, long-term income. And I've had a lot of conversations, broken out some spreadsheets, done the math to, to show people where that that draw on the portfolio being reduced for decades potentially allows you to draw heavier on it for a few years. And that trade-off, when you overlay taxes on it, when you overlay you know, life expectancy, long-term care issues, and all the things that we've talked about, I, I can make a very compelling case for anybody that can afford it to delay Social Security in, in, as long as possible and, and try to lock in that, that max benefit. Again, more things to consider as we try to figure out the different ways that Social Security maybe fits into our own plans. And that's why we're making this really part one. Actually, maybe I should ask you that question, Brian, as we continue to work through this. Why is claiming Social Security maybe too early? The very first top retirement mistake that you wanted to cover today, is it truly something that's, that's that pervasive and that big of a problem of, of people not putting enough thought and effort into this uh, particular issue? It's probably the number one knee-jerk reaction that I see that, you know, they turn 62 and if they've retired early, man, they're, they're turning that thing on and they don't, they don't want to hear it. I even had to arm wrestle my father-in-law over this one and he, he still did what he wanted to do. So um, you've really got to look at it in, in context of, of all those other issues because it, it's far easier to uh, patch in some income for a few years early in retirement than it is to try to brush off your resume at 92. You know, that, that's not going to happen. So when you, when you look through the lens of, of what, what's the worst thing that could happen by delaying Social Security, well, I might have a few less dollars in the short run. Yeah, that was the point I was making earlier. What's the best thing that could happen? Well, if I end up living you know, way past you know, life expectancy, I'm going to come out ahead. I'm going to have more secure cash flow. I'm going to have less, you know, need less demand on my portfolio. So I just encourage people to you know, stay healthy, stay positive, and, and, and take the long-term view on, on Social Security, not try to get the max out of it that they can in the short term. Makes a lot of sense. Use uh, use it a little bit more as that safety blanket uh, rather than the main crux of your portfolio, which is what it should be anyway. Yeah, the, the portfolio should be you know generating a let's call it a three to five percent income stream. So if you're drawing on your portfolio at three to here we're starting already starting to cross into other other P's, but the, the withdrawal rate that's is highly sustainable would be in the three to five percent. So if you can stay at or below that for the majority of your retirement, 
Maybe you go above it for a few years while, while you wait, but if you can stay in that withdrawal rate for the duration of your portfolio, your pro- again, your probability of success, which let's define as not running out of money late in life, making sure you have money to sust- sustain your lifestyle, fund long-term care, maybe li- leave a little bit of money for the kids, your probabilities for success actually goes up long-term by simply delaying Social Security. Well, there you have it, a pretty good breakdown of top retirement mistake number one, claiming Social Security early and uh, see it way too many times and often it is not the right choice and the right decision. That is why it's so important to make sure that you're making good decisions when it comes to your financial plans, to your retirement future. And this is just one of the topics that's talked about in the 401k trap. This is a, uh, a free copy. You can download uh, a version of this for yourself to look over and read that's going to walk you through some really important information. If you have an IRA, 401k, 403b, a SEP, or a 457, the 401k trap is certainly for you. You can then request a complimentary 401k audit. Make sure your contributions are being optimized for a tax-efficient retirement. So we have this free downloadable guide. It's the 401k trap available for free. All you have to do is go to retirementrescue.net, and you'll see where you can get the 401k trap, or just check the description of today's show for an appropriate link as well. Again, it's the 401k trap. Make sure to pick up a copy today. That'd be a great thing to do after listening to today's episode on top retirement mistake number one, claiming Social Security early. Now, that is not the end of our series, is it, Brian? We've got a part two on the way. Yeah, hang, and, and I wanted to insert one thing on the 401k Please. trap because as it relates to Social Security, Mary Beth Franklin, uh, who's a writer for Investment News Magazine, she got a copy of our, our 401k trap and actually referenced it in an Investment News article. So one of the top social security claiming experts in the country has actually had a chance to review that and really liked the points we made, the strategies uh, that we were talking about, and uh, and featured it in, a, in, a, in an industry publication. So uh, just a little bit of credibility, third-party uh, factor credibility to the, the 401k trap. It's really some good stuff in there. I, I can't encourage people enough to go get a copy of it. It's well done, certainly. It looks really good. And uh, we have to give props to our producer, Andrea, for doing a wonderful job of helping pull that together and making it look all shiny and pretty as well, Brian. So Always, always have to acknowledge executive producer, Andrea. Absolutely. 401k trap again. Get it at retirementrescue.net. Now, part two of Top Retirement Mistakes will be on the next episode. We're going to be talking about IRAs a little bit, Brian, and, and RMDs and that sort of thing. Yep. I won't spoil the or or do a a reveal just yet, but when you claim or when you begin drawing money from IRAs, huge topic, overlaps with what we talked about today. And I've got plenty of good tips on that. Overlap is the key word. There's always overlap between all these decisions. And so that's why we've got to talk about all of them, why we're going to break them all down as we go through some of these top retirement mistakes. So join us again for that next episode. In the meantime, if you have any questions or concerns that you want to run by Brian, you can always reach out at 706-451-9800 or online at livingworth.com. Brian, thanks for the help. We'll talk to you again on the next episode. Sounds great, Walter. Thank you. Rest up those tired muscles from the move. No, no dragging in, dragging your feet into the uh, recording studio next time. I'm just sore thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next time on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. 
The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.